Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to this episode of Tell Me Your Tales. This is the fourth instalment of the Road to Berlin podcast series with myself, Brady Trelfel, Julian Spence down in Ballarat and Bradley Croker from up in Canberra. It's a good chat, goes for a bit longer than usual. We talk all things running and what we've been up to in training and where we're going forward and yeah, a bit about um, Brad and I heading up to the Gold Coast this weekend to do some pacemaking. So um, I'm not going to say much in this introduction because it's quite a long episode. I hope it brings value to your life. If you get an opportunity and could leave a review or share it on social media, that would be really appreciated. Thanks to all the people that did that this last week. It's been uh, fantastic to see Tell Me Your Tales popping up in all sorts of places and it's really blowing me away a bit. Hope you like the new introduction song. Um, Just mixing it up every 25 or so episodes and... That's a really good track that I come across. If you want to hear it in full, feel free to um, stick around the end of the podcast because it's in full at the end there. It's a really catchy tune that's been um, been in my head the last week since I found it. Anyway, enjoy this chat, the uh, fourth instalment of The Road to Berlin with Brady, Brad and Julian. Cheers, guys. When you drop fart, you don't say, at nine o'clock I drop fart. It happen of itself. <laughs> you know, and all, all these pious Western devotees, you know, kind of put their handkerchiefs in their mouths and try not to laugh. Can you got you, me? Yep, got gotcha. you. <laughs> oh, yes, very good. You can hear us all right as well? Yeah, yeah, all good now. Excellent, excellent. How was uh, training 2 o'clock again today, mate? All right? <laughs> oh, still 2 degrees. 2 it's degrees at 2 p.m.? No, nah, I don't know what. It was pretty cold, but um, 
this is like, this is your Saturday. Treat it like that. Yeah, yeah. Think about it like that. <laughs> well, now that I've got a bit of an insight into uh, my mate going down there and buying some shoes off you that you're selling to him on a Saturday morning, I understand that now. Yes, it's good. First at the door. That's what I am. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. What about your yeah. week, Brad? How you been tracking? You're still in one piece? Yeah, yeah, all good. Um, yeah, I've had a, had a... Are we recording now or not? We're recording now, mate. Yeah, we're all good. <laughs> all right. Yeah, so um, last week, I guess I started off with my calves being a little bit tight and uh, Coach and I decided not to really schedule a session for Tuesday. Um, but as it turned out, I, I went out to the trails and sort of got rolling back end of the run. So I guess I call it a half session. So I ended up running... Um, you know 65 minutes averaging 348s with like a sort of 35 minute 10k at the end over some undulating hills um just in my heavy shoes so felt pretty good doing that and calves pulled up well um so that was tuesday wednesday hour 45 um same course as i've been doing the last few weeks uh, so it worked out at 25k at um 412 per kilometer average um had thursday pretty easy because my big big session for or the focus for last week was volume um, and also Friday's session, which was two by 10K with a 1K float. Um, so went to this Yerriby Pond where I do the park run and went went better than expected. So I ran um, 33.19 for the first 10K, floated a kilometre in 3.41 and then ran 32.40-odd um, for the second uh 10k so uh, worked out bang on a half half marathon in 70 minutes so very um, good good signs mate yeah, i'm so just i've got your strava up now you keep going with your week and then we might um pick it to pieces a bit how's that sound yeah yep yep so that was friday saturday and sunday i was down the south coast which is quite nice because it was a little bit warmer um and also just sea level just dropping from 600 meters down to i guess sea level <laughs> makes me feel a bit faster um, so just 65 minutes in the morning and 35 in the afternoon, all at about four minute Ks on the Saturday. And then Sunday um, did a pretty hilly run through the bush, um, went close to 34K at a four minute K average. Um, and I think there was, was over sort of 600 metres of elevation in that run. So it was, it was a solid run on paper, but I felt pretty good doing it. Um, and that worked out at 180K for the week. So it was pretty solid. Very solid week. Julian, you were um, giving him a bit of lip on Strava for going after course records with unplanned tempos. Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were piping up. Was yeah, I? Yeah, you went, you went oh, up. Yeah, okay. Um, I've run out there before. That. Uh, oh, no, sorry. You're talking about the unplanned tempo. Yeah, yeah, yeah so I my, yeah, yeah, yeah. my run last Tuesday. Yeah, so you, you uh, obviously had scoped it out before and that's what we like to call it in Strava world where when you know something's out there to be had oh wait I'm supposed to do a session now <laughs> no I had no idea of what course records were there the only one I knew was um, the, the really solid hill climb which pretty much started my whole tempo um, like I ran pretty hard up that hill thinking that well, it was definitely the, it was the fastest I've run up that hill but um yeah, I moved up a couple of spots, but didn't uh, didn't get the course record. But that sort of started my tempo then. 
running hard. Yeah, well, your... it's interesting you said, like, that sort of run, <clears throat> the um, steady run, I was just going back, like, obviously I had a day off, really didn't do anything, and I was going back through my old training, and I had a look at when I had a good patch, what I was doing, and it, it was kind of a lead into the marathon um, training, and what I was, I was doing a lot of steady runs, so or once a week basically, and it replaced the session, but it would be about, I think I progressed from 40 minutes to about 70 minutes of steady runs at around about maybe 335, so somewhere around 85, 90% of marathon pace. And I would just do that once a week instead of a session. And it, it's nothing like it's a lot of people won't do that they'll call that a junk run so it doesn't sit in any particular zone that they traditionally work out in but when i saw you do it i thought oh yeah i'm missing that like just that sustained steady effort i think it's really important for the marathon or preparing for a marathon phase where you're going to do a lot of long sessions at pace you need to have that strength to to be able to handle a steady pace and just basically prevent fatigue over one hour, an hour 20, an hour 30 of, of just a, a, a normal run. Yeah, and also as much as my coach wasn't really impressed that I did it, um, like it gave me a lot of confidence and I, I guess you run to feel a bit more because there was no session set. I didn't have any expectations on myself at all. So I just ran to, to how I felt, you know, and, one kilometre would be 3.20 and then the next kilometre would be 3.30. Um, but, you know, you look back at it and you've run 35 minutes just in normal trainers, you know, over trails, which is, you know, I, I reckon I'd probably get more from that session than a set of 400s when I'm training for a marathon. Mm. And, yeah, it's a steady run. And mentally, I reckon it's refreshing as well. I did something similar last Tuesday as well and just replaced the session with it. And it's just, I don't know, you wake up and you know you don't have to kind of go to the well and kind of really push yourself and it's kind of that steady state run but it's um it's kind of really enjoyable because you're in control of it all yeah yeah it's uh, i, I think, think it's it, a good it, sorry it, 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 yeah it prepares you well for what you know is coming up so whether it's if you do some specific stuff like an 18k tempo at marathon pace this is which a lot of people will do as a marathon workout it it allows you to sort of know what it's going to be like to be running fast for an hour. And although you're not doing it that fast because you're not really ready to do it that fast, it, it, it gets, it almost primes you for it to do it in a month or two months. Mm. Yeah, it's a good lead well, into doing those good long runs, isn't it? The good quality ones, knowing that you can already get to that, you know, 345, 340 pace pretty comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Well, yep. even, even that session, like running, running on the trails and, because I was looking down at my Garmin and, you know, I'd see that I was running 320 and I didn't feel like I was pushing too hard. And I'm like, well, this is sort of the pace I need to run on my big session on Friday and I'm doing it on trails in um, in heavy shoes. So, you know, it gave me a fair bit of confidence for Friday. Yeah, let's get yeah. on to that Friday. So um, two by 10K is 1K float, I think. Did you have a yeah. gel and a no-dos? Yeah, so I had a gel right at the end of the first 10K. Um, and then I had a no-dose, uh, maybe a couple of K into the second um, second 10. And uh, as I said on Strava there, for me, it's more of a mental thing just to break up the run, um, to like go, all right, well, I'll have a gel at 10K and then 
you know, 10 minutes later, I'll, I'll look forward to having a no-dose. And even if it doesn't help me physically, mentally, it's like, well, I've had something now, so, you know, it'll help me for the next 10 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's such a, like, I find that session more mentally hard than physically hard. Because um, I found I got to the 7 or 8K of the first 10, and I'm like, you know, it was still at a decent pace. And, like, it, it wasn't wasn't like I was jogging and you start thinking have I gone a little bit too hard am I actually going to be able to hold this for the next 10k and then you know my original plan was to probably float more around four minutes or slightly slower for the 1k recovery and you know I banged out 341 and I'm like oh is this going to come back to bite me at sort of 5k into the second and it probably wasn't until um, 5k to go that I knew I was going to be able to hold it together and actually you know was just banging sort of three fifteens um, and feeling pretty strong. Like maybe the last couple of K started to just get a little bit heavy in the legs, but I was, I'd also picked up the pace a little bit, but it wasn't until five K to go that I knew I'd like sort of nailed the session. Yeah. Right. Did you, um, did you feel, especially in that first one that that'd be something similar to marathon pace come Berlin? Um, yeah, I, well, yeah, I'd be, look, if I ran that, I'd be stoked. I think if I um yeah if I was able to hold that for that Berlin, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah. Um, but I guess I ran in the lead up to Canberra. I did five by four k with a three minute float, so that worked out at twenty three k at uh, three twenty two average. And um, yeah, Friday was uh, twenty one at three nineteen. So I think I'm you know going a little bit better than I was, and that was that was about a month before Canberra. So probably going just just as well um you know i'm probably fitter now than i was for canberra so that's a good sign yeah and then like off the back of that fast 5k the week before and and that long run looking at the uh, the elevation in that that's um a pretty solid long run yeah but i think that's where because i only do two sessions a week now although i ran a pretty hard hard half marathon on the friday normally i'd be doing those sunday runs after a a hard session on saturday So just breaking up my week now where I have particular focus, like I'll have, so last week it was, I just want to run 180K and I want to nail that Friday session and everything else is a bonus, obviously making sure that I still get in my long run on Sunday and Wednesday, but I I always just have one or two focuses for the week and as long as I hit those, I'm happy to then, you know, change things around accordingly. Yeah, good goal really, isn't it? Like it's, um, you're not trying to bite off more than you can chew. Yeah, exactly. And even this week, I've sort of modified things. So obviously, the focus for me this week is 100 miles um, and obviously our pacing job on the Gold Coast. And off the back of 180K, I spoke to my coach on, must have been on Sunday night, and he's like, well, look, let's just take it easy till probably Wednesday, do some K reps on the Wednesday instead of doing them on the Tuesday, and then just do some easy one-minuters on the Friday, and then, you know, you'll be right to go for pacing so um, I've had a bit of an easier lead into this week knowing what's what's coming later on yeah and a bit of confidence into that pacing job knowing that you can go three minutes quicker by yourself in a session yeah hopefully hopefully it feels uh comfortable yeah yeah that's good you got any more questions for him on that week um Julian oh no just uh that makes a lot of sense when you're doing two sessions during the week this Sunday long run becomes almost more fun because you can push things a little bit and um 
we used to do that down in Geelong. When I was in Geelong, we would go to the Yuyangs. Um, and by the end of that, you're averaging four minutes or less for 30 plus K. And you're really getting after it because you're fresh, because Saturdays was nothing. So Saturdays was jogging and you've just got a little bit of pop and you're feeling good and you're not doing a session till Tuesday. So yeah, yeah. I, I like it. I, I like to do it both ways, but um, yeah, the, I, those Sundays were always good fun out there in the Ueys. I think like, if you look at... You go, mate. Yeah, so like, you know, you compare um, the Sunday that I've just had where I didn't have the session on the Saturday to the week before where I had that hard park run and this Sunday was a harder run in terms of the, the elevation, the distance and the pace but felt a hell of a lot easier than the Sunday, the day after the park run. Um, but then I'm interested in your boys' thoughts in terms of when you're training for a marathon, it's probably good to do a long run on tired legs as opposed to being a little bit fresh for it sometimes yeah i think it depends on the purpose of the long run like if it's if you want to hit one at a good pace you'd go in fresh but if you just want to roll it on tired legs and time on feet it's probably so you're saying you're kind of doing a bit of both of that in the last two weeks but your strategy i think is a lot more you know low risk kind of injury free get to the start line kind of thing which is yeah you're not kind of risking doing those harder sessions on tired legs yeah, very true. Agree with me there, Julian? Uh, yeah, I think you need to look at the purpose of the long run before um, and, and then just sort of work off that. So, for instance, if I'm <laughs> there's a lot more variance in how people do their long runs lately with the new kind of few different philosophies floating around, but there's no way I would be doing my session slash hard long runs after a, a race on a Saturday or a workout on a Saturday. So when it gets to the crunch, like, and maybe we're talking the last eight, 10 weeks, I'll be on a fortnight kind of schedule where if I do, a, I'll do one hard workout on a Wednesday and then I'll do a hard long run. So those two days, um, those two they have a lot of rest between the two because they're going to be very hard and very long workouts. Um, but then the, the following week will be, I'll have a speed, a shorter session and a more traditional fartlek run and then an easy long run as well. So I'm going to go on a fortnight plan and um, each long, the long runs will be different. Basic, I, I think the problem when you um, <clears throat> run with a group is that you run to the group's pace. So if you want to push the pace, you have to be the leader of the group. And um, I know if I was in Canberra, I wouldn't be the leader of the group in Ballarat. Like the pace is the pace, we run that pace. But in Geelong, the guys were out there kind of training with me almost. So if I wanted to go faster, I'd go faster. And um, that ain't gonna happen down here. So I don't. you almost have to plan around the long run not doing it with a group if you want to push it mm. beautiful mate let's get on to your week julian <clears throat> yeah i had a good week um i think i ran about 167 or something kilometers um, which is my first time over 100 mile for a while um but yeah sort of ran t- twice monday and, and did a, a solid gym workout and on t- tuesday was Tuesday the 
it's wild now. Because <laughs> yeah, we're recording this on a Tuesday, it feels forever ago. Yeah. So did is that the, did you have Strava? Up? I might have done a fartlet cemetery, the cemetery and the fart. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. So we I did, did a, ten by yeah. two minutes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just love that workout. Like that's my go-to. Um, and I try. I have this cemetery loop that for some like it's it's really weird, but I love cemeteries and running in them. Um, <laughs> Creepy. <ass>. No traffic. <laughs> there isn't any traffic, and there's not a lot of people. You can kind of just chill out. Or the one that I've got up here, the loop's about 2K, and you can actually get a boundary loop that's probably more like 3K. So I do my easy runs up there, and um, I thought, geez, why don't I do a session in here? Like, it's a really nice hilly loop where there's no flat sections. And um, so it was a good day. Dulcie come down, and um, we 10 by 2 minutes on, 1 minute float is is just a i reckon it's a perfect amount to um to push the ons i I kind of tried to push the ons as hard as i could and the the floats suffered because of that but that was the whole idea um and yeah i was happy with how it went it was good and then uh, i think on uh thursday i did i went to the track and we ran some 400s um i'm still trying to keep speed work involved so my track staff will be between two and 400 meter reps at the moment and they'll have decent rest between them. So I'm actually focusing on, on quality there. Uh, and I did basically 10 reps, 60 seconds rest between them and every, so on number three, six and nine, I kicked it down a little bit. Um, (laughs) there's no real reason behind that, except I wanted to just get some faster running in. Um, I basically wanted to to kind of get some proper speed work in, so run almost flat out for for a few 400s, and then take the foot off and relax back into some maybe three to five k pace reps. So I ran, I think, 67 to 69s for the for the the regular ones, and then 63, 62, and 61 for the the hot laps. Mm-hmm. So I was I was happy with that. You were moving. Yeah, it's a solid finish. Yeah, but it didn't feel like, like I don't know. I've, Good signs. I've always, that, that, the 400s is my thing. I reckon I can, get, I can do them when I'm unfit. When I'm fit, I, I feel like that's a session that I'm just comfortable with. Um, and I, I reckon I, like, I, was, I was running pretty hard, but there was room there. So I, I've never really done a session where I've, I've done. I've popped down under sixty, so I'll probably do this in a, maybe two weeks' time, and then I'll I'll have a real crack at it. Um, and it would have been cold too, wouldn't it? Yeah, mate, it's always cold. You know how it is. So, uh, so winter uh, winter adjusted pace would have had you sub sixty for sure. Ah, yeah, I reckon for sure. sub fifty maybe. Did you do it with Nath? Nah, he's he had gastro, so <laughs> oh, apparently anyway. He wouldn't be running 60, that's for sure. Yeah. Have you seen the way he runs? <laughs> well, he's outkicked me in a race before at Geelong, the track there one year. Put a, put the hammer oh. down. He's, he's got a bit of speed. He's underrated over 400. I know, I know. But it's not his style that gets him there. It's his guts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, with that minute recovery, were you just kind of standing around and doing a bit of jogging and then just banging out again? Like, that must have hurt after those faster ones to get back in the groove off a minute. Yeah, the 
it was standing round. So <clears throat> I didn't need, like it wasn't a fartlek. The whole idea was to focus on quality. So if I felt like I couldn't run the next rep at the pace I wanted to, I would have taken more time. Um, <clears throat> so I didn't feel like that. Um, obviously the harder ones, the minute goes a lot quicker afterwards, but we were, it was a pretty comfortable session. I didn't feel like I was, I was flat out. I probably could have done another maybe <clears throat> five at that pace or whatnot. I don't know. Um, sometimes you just feel good, and that, and that felt good then. And were you solo? Does it have anyone else towing you around? Uh, Dolce, he jumped in a, a couple um, in front, I think. Yeah, maybe one or two, and then... Um, he actually he he commented he had the best session of his life and he ran he was maybe averaging 69s and then ran 64s for the ons and he's flying at the moment and yeah so he had a really good one I had a good one and um yeah it was just we were we were really happy good stuff yeah and um oh yeah so Saturday so I did a gym session Friday which probably went a bit hard because Bree um, she was originally scheduled to run the cross-country race out here called the Charles Suffren um, but she got um, sick and, and then it sort of opened up that I could run so the Charles Suffren's a cross-country race that's been going since 1948 and it's on the same course every oh well very similar course every year so it's out at a race course and um, over that time there's been eight Olympians that have won the race and when I first got down here, I was listening to a few guys talk in the group, and um, it was always sort of a bit of a measure: is have you won the suffering yet? So that's kind of like you win the suffering, you get your name on this trophy with eight other Olympians, and just masses of guns as well. And that's so it's a big deal, basically. It's a big race. Um, the quality last year or so has dropped right off so it wasn't a great field this year but um you look at the trophy which is a perpetual one and you was just going through the list and some of the names you reel off like tony benson um who else is back there robert d costella chris wardlaw tim o'shaughnessy um lee troop darren lynch uh who else won Sean Crichton, uh, Collis, uh, Dua. Surely Mona's on there. Mona's on there what, five or six yeah, times. Right. Merv Johnson, Frank, Paul Burge. Basically just Brian Lurie, who's been to about seven World Cross um, championships. So it's it, there wouldn't be a stronger trophy, I reckon, in, in cross-country running in Australia. Mm. so yeah I went out did that and um, it's really weird course like crazy you start on a race course a local race course so really chopped up imagine I don't know whether you've ever done it but it's like a paddock basically yeah I've done <laughs> it they still don't run horse races there do they they do yeah they yep. do because so, oh, it's that yeah, run down yeah. it kind of looks like it's um, yeah out of action have you done the suffering? Yeah, I did it when I was living in Bendigo. We used to bring a bus over there because it was such a prestigious um, race that you used to get a bus full of blokes and would go over and you just get smashed. Like it was, you used to go to the AV series and you might run under 20s and come like ninth or 10th or something. 
and then you go to the suffering and come like 30th like it was just um, <laughs> the quality was that good it wasn't funny yeah yeah so you know yeah it's yeah that's so that race yeah. yeah yeah and you go through well, the pine I, trees and stuff out the back and then dip back down and yep. you got to finish off of a lap of the race course yeah that's it that's the suffering uh, yeah it's a shame it's dropped Mate. off a bit like that then hasn't it like it would be Mm. But I guess everything has. It's um, yeah. Just a... Everything has, mate. You, you know, like it'll come back. But I think I hope it'll come back. We have a really good um, squad of junior runners in Ballarat. Like guys, I think in every age group there'll be someone from Ballarat in the top three at the moment in the cross races, and uh, so that hopefully that can come through. And in five years, you've just got this. Um, I guess it becomes the mecca that it used to be. Mm. Did you win yeah. by much? Oh, 30 seconds, 30 maybe, 30 seconds or so. Yeah. I went the wrong way at one point um, in the woods. And so that was at about probably 1,500 metres in. I went left instead of right and then the boys got went past me and I um, turned around and had to catch them and go again. Um I, yeah, and then I've, I've, I was heavy. Like I was, it was in, it was sandy. I didn't feel good at, at any point in that race, but um, the it kind of suited me because of how awkward it is out there. It suits like the the non uh, skillful runners, put it that way. That's why Nace won four of them or something. <laughs> yeah. And then a long run Sunday. Yeah. So first long run. Um, proper long run, 30k. Oh well, what a 32. So, just went easy um, over the hills. Was feeling the race a fair bit, so took it easy. Yeah, and um, going by Strava, plenty of podcast listening. Yeah, I, I thought I better start listening to this. You guys <laughs> are talking about past podcasts, and I thought, oh yeah, I'll get involved. Um, I like it. I'm addicted. Yeah, oh, I'm glad. I've run out of it. Have you? Yeah, I haven't listened myself yet, so. Um, have you listened to Brad? No, I, I, I want the interesting ones, mate. I heard that. One. <laughs> Might be. Uh, that's he's up next. He's up next. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not offended. It's all right. <laughs> no, I, I don't know why I didn't listen to yours yet. I I randomly just downloaded them all, and there's been it's been good, mate. I, I like it. Oh, good work. Thank you. Thanks for contributing for uh, with your show as well, and this one, which is good. So um, that's a pretty solid week, 167. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm feeling good. Like I'm confident. I just this strength stuff, mate. If I should have done it years ago. Yeah, and I think what we've got to remember about you is as well that you've run a marathon like five weeks ago, whereas Brad and I haven't. So it's kind of completely different stages of the build up for us compared to you. Like you're still getting over that a bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm not worried. Like. I don't even care what my workouts are like at the moment. I just need to get them done and mm. put in a bit of a block where I tick off a month of consistent workouts, even if they're not good, and and then we'll start to look at specific stuff and, and trying to hit splits and um, get a little bit more, I guess, marathon-specific. Yeah. How, how far out, Julian, do you start to really knuckle down? <clears throat> I reckon I'll start the progression at eight weeks. And um, oh no, probably ten weeks, and then with that last two weeks, so I'll get eight weeks of more specific stuff, which in reality will 
because I'm doing the fortnightly cycle, will probably be about four marathon-specific long runs and maybe a progression from doing like uh, five by three k with a float up to my favourite, which is three by seven k with a float, which I might do two weeks out or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Beautiful. I also hit um, 167 as well last week. First time I've been at 167 for a long time. So, um, yeah, I was stoked to kind of hit those weekly Ks, which is funny that we averaged exactly, or, yeah, nailed exactly the same amount of Ks in a week. So that was, uh, yeah. that was yeah, pretty random. I didn't realise that until you just said it then. But it looked I bet like... You didn't, I bet you didn't do it with a Sunday afternoon run, though. No, I didn't. I already had it nailed Sunday morning so I could sit on the couch, which was good. But, um, That's right. yeah, my week looked like an easy hour Monday, which was good. And then um, Tuesday night, I did that medium long run, which I'd usually do on Wednesday morning, but made it steady. So it was 25K at 342 average. And as we said before in the conversation, it was just, I wasn't too fussed about pace and just kind of locked in and in the heavy shoes and went out to the industrial estate where I do a bit of work and it's kind of a 2K loop on the road. You don't have to think about cars and stuff. No one's out there and just kind of switched off and yeah i was kind of surprised that it was that quick actually off the back of um sunday's 10k race so that was good to kind of get into that pace and um yeah which was uh yeah i like like run at that pace it's really enjoyable you just feel like it's nice and calm but you're still going fast and yeah you just tick it along and bang for your buck 90 minutes getting 25k done in 90 minutes and i was still home at a reasonable hour which was um which was good Winter was a recovery day, so kind of, uh, oh, not winter, Wednesday was a recovery day, so I did just 12K in the morning, then 6K in the Arvo at about 4.30 pace, and then Thursday, my day off work, um, did just 7K to wake up the legs in the morning pretty easy, and then I did a session pretty similar to Brad's, but mine was 15K, which was meant to be at um, the girls' pacing pace, so 3.28 a kilometre into 6K, at my marathon pace so trying to get around 320 for the last 6k but i really struggled to um lock into that 328 i couldn't really it was maybe just two or three seconds too slow and i just kept hitting 325s and 324s and 323s for the first 15k and then um once i got into the 6k kick down it was fine and ended up averaging i think about 314 for the last 6k to make it a oh. 70, uh, I'll just open it up now, maybe a 70-45, 70-53 half marathon in the end because I had to stick the other other 100 metres on the end just like Brad did just to uh, make it a, a nice half marathon. So, um, yeah, that was kind of strange. It was kind of, I was getting over that chick's um, pacing pace pretty easy. Like it was, I don't know, by 10 or 12K, I was kind of mentally just... Oh, I don't know, it was just kind of draining me, whereas it didn't actually feel that hard, but I was glad the kick down come around so I could actually start moving a bit, which was um, which was a good sign. So it was good to get that session in the legs. Um, I actually... Just on, just on that. Yeah, go for it. On, on, on that uh, awkward pace, um, I think it's important for people to practice having the brakes on. So... Mm. You're sort of describing um, having trouble holding yourself back, which is what a lot of people are like in the first half of their marathon because that pace after a taper and a training program and all the adrenaline 
feels too easy for them. And so what you're describing is what happens to them on race day. And instead of having like a 6K kick down at, at 20K or whatever, they have to do a 42K where those five seconds, four seconds underneath their goal pace is going to come back and haunt them later. Yeah. So I was talking about it today, like uh, the workout that I did uh, with today, I thought, now you've got to be patient here. Like this is going to feel easy, but practice being patient and practice having the brakes on and it's it's i think it's a bit of a skill and an art and maybe um it's not an ego thing but i reckon it's important to to do so because because that's where a lot of people get themselves into trouble is is telling me that their paces oh it felt too easy but then they blow up later yeah so yeah i i i i recognize what you're feeling there um and I think, you know, maybe like that could be something in the future where you, you like practice that discipline. I reckon it is a bit of that ego and kind of an affection mindset as well, because I don't know, I looked down at my watch a couple of times and I might have been going 332 pace, which would have been fine for me to hold a K in 332 because I was going fine. But then I was getting caught up in that old, you know, we want to be hitting 328 to make sure it's under 328. So you put the hammer down a bit and then you finish the K in 325 and all those extra seconds kind of creep up on you which is um but that was the exact reason i was doing it to kind of get used to that pace because very rarely do i go that pace it's rather a bit slower when you're on the long run or a bit faster when you're doing reps so it's good to be able to get out there and practice those um practice those paces especially when we have to go at that pace this weekend so um i'm glad we had a practice sounds like i'll uh sounds like i'll have to put you on a leash yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't know well we've got to go a bit further <laughs> We don't want to be kicking down at 15k this weekend. We might get in a bit of trouble. But it was. But, um, but it is sort of. It is true though with the, the ego thing a little bit that because you know if you're running 328, it's slower than what you know. It's slower than your marathon pace, but it still doesn't feel. It doesn't feel super easy, and so often you'll finish the session if you've run 328, going, oh, you know, like it's a lot slower than what I should be running, but it didn't feel particularly easy. Whereas if you then push the pace a little bit, you're at least going to get some confidence at the end of the session saying, oh, look, I've, you know, I've at least averaged whatever, three, 320s or low 320s. So you get more confidence out of that, even though you've probably pushed a little bit harder than what you're, you know, what you're meant to. Yeah, and I find mm. with the rhythm, like at 320s and maybe 315s, you feel like you're kind of locked in and you're running fast. Whereas at 330s, 328-ish, it's almost like... Are you jogging here or kind of it was in you I don't know, the legs just don't seem to tick over as smooth as they would for three fifteen pace, for example. Which was actually when I got to the kickdown it actually felt quite easy because I could get in a bit a bit of a rhythm. Um, and I knew it was the kind of last six K as well. I wasn't holding back anymore, I could start working. But it was a good session. I um yeah, in the end it was yeah, twenty twenty one point one at three twenty one pace, which is pretty much exactly the same pace that i ran for at berlin last year so um it's good to know that i can hold that pace for half half the distance and then um yeah friday took it super easy just did 40 minutes um out at the barmer forest which is out in about 15k uh, 15 minute drive from my house this kind of pine plantation forest we've oh, it's got three hills but the town i live in we've got no hills at all so if you want to run on a hill and just get three hills in that's a spot to go so that was um good to get out there and then 
oh, Thursday was a bit of a, sorry, not Thursday, Saturday was a kind of speed session. So it was two by 3K, two by 1500 with um, three minutes after the 3Ks, just a really slow jog, and then 90 seconds after the 1500. And the coach wanted, well, originally when he sent it through, he sent it through Friday after I did that session Thursday, and I was a bit worried because he wanted 905s for the 3Ks and 430s for the 1500s, and I thought, oh, no way can I kind of hit those times on tired legs. And then I kind of cut a deal with him that, if we could aim for 9.15s, that would be better because he didn't anticipate me to run as fast as I did on the Thursday. So went out though and kind of hit the first 3K in 9.07, the next one in 9.05, and then 4.25, 4.25 for the 1.500. So I think that's probably a sign that the speed that I ran at at Launceston 10K, I've probably banked that a bit, and now I'm kind of got all that under my belt and that pace kind of feels a bit more comfortable than it once did because... Um, yeah, I wasn't even hitting 9.05 for the 3K splits in park runs, you know, two weeks ago. So that's um, that's a good sign there. And then Sunday was out at uh, Barmer again with Tally Bird, and we did oh, – she's running Gold Coast next weekend, the half. So she only did 28K, but I did 33 at, yeah, 3.58. And it was kind of the complete opposite to what you were talking about, Brad. Because I went in with heavy legs, it just felt – I was trying to push the pace along, and it just felt – like I was just trying to push too much, like it was just not comfortable trying to hit those 355s, like they were kind of draining me and I probably should have in hindsight backed off a bit more and made it more just a time on a feet long run rather than trying to work it along. But um, yeah, that's something I've got to work on, probably identifying the purpose of the long run before I actually start it and the ego gets in the way. Well, I guess also if you look at the week, you've essentially had four pretty solid days um, off the back of a of – a, 10k race like you, you know you you 25k in 90 minutes then your your half marathon your 3k's and then your long run was solid as well so that's yeah, a it's a big week mm, it is and because it's my first big week in probably uh, i'd probably say five months i've got to be super careful these next two weeks it doesn't come back to bite me and i start dipping into the red again so um yeah we've planned at the moment um to do two weeks and then back off to 100K for the third week to really absorb it. So this is kind of the first week of that. And then this week at the Gold Coast and then um, have a 100K week after that to kind of see how that fits with the training. One thing I did, which was interesting, I don't know if you guys have done this before, but got on the scales before and after like a longer session just to see how much weight you lose. You guys I've never done that. No, I've never. never done it either. I'm seeing a, um, when I come back from the Gold Coast, going to see one of the, dietitians or sports girls or whatever she is at um the melbourne olympic park there just to try and get a bit of a nutrition and hydration plan for berlin and when to take gels and how much water to try get in so the weather was 14 degrees when i did that half marathon session before it i was 56.4 kilos and then afterwards i was 54.1 so lost 2.3 kilos on not a super mm. warm day and that was having it. I got a one gel in during that, but didn't take any drinks. So that's definitely because that weather's going to be really similar to Berlin. And that was me out there for you know twenty one k hard with a four and a half k warm up and three k warm down. So I think if I was going to do something similar and go for thirty k or thirty five k, I'd be looking at dropping down to you know fifty two, fifty three kilos, which is a bit scary and probably explains a bit what I why I've hit the wall a bit in the last two marathons. Yeah, yeah like I I've I've kind of found that when I 
am drinking more water during a marathon, say, for instance, at Melbourne when you can have someone handing you regular bottles and not just those shitty cups that they give you, yeah. like an actual bottle that you can get proper drink from, I, f- I feel a lot better. So water is underestimated, I think, during a marathon. I think people just, it, although it's not hot, they don't worry about it too much, it makes me feel better to have more water. And even when I don't really probably, I know like there's this whole like overhydration concern coming from the ultra world when I did one earlier in the year, everyone's worried about drinking too much water. That's what's causing all these issues at the end of races. But at Melbourne last year, um, having the extra water in between gels, so having a gel every say 20 or 25 minutes but then having water every 10 minutes geez i I felt so much better for it Mm, yeah it's definitely um because at berlin last year that was kind of cups and you're hardly getting any in but i guess that was probably more than definitely more than i was getting in when i did this session the other day but yeah that's definitely something and i want to experiment a bit up at the gold coast as well this weekend to kind of that's probably going to be at least 30k so um get on the scales before and after and see how much that takes out of me as well because yeah you can see how the back end could just be a disaster if you've lost you know three kilos worth of sweat and you're just drained and dehydrated and got nothing there seems like a lot yeah yeah it was um i don't know yeah it was i it's one thing i've been conscious of that i've been sweating more than i can remember i can't remember you know really sweating that much in sessions in the middle of winter in the last couple of years but um I don't know if it's yeah, if there's any doctors listening. If it's something to do with getting older, or maybe there's something I don't know. But um, maybe it's because I've got a beard now. Like I don't know, it could be uh, over over warming me up or something. But um, yeah, could, well, could uh, be that could, could be the EPO you're taking. <laughs> yeah, jeez, I'd want to be running a bit quicker if I'm on EPO. <laughs> oh, just so, boxing. Yeah, just boxing. So um, yeah, that was my week and still in one piece. So um, so it's all good. Hey, we were going to talk about our coaches and our relationship with coaches and stuff today, but we've already been going for 40 minutes, and I reckon that's probably enough for this week's show. We might get to that. That was a listener question that someone wrote in. Um, Campbell wrote in asking about how do we work with our coaches and how do we plan and communicate our programs and deal with feedback and plan specific sessions. So we might get to that question next week, I think. Yep, no worries. I'll give you a week to study. Who's... Well, who's your coach, Brad? Um, ben Wisby at the moment. So he's based in New Zealand. It was more of a, I guess I write the program, send them through to him, and then we um, have like a probably once a month have a chat on um, Google Hangouts and have like an active sheet where we can just make changes there and then. But we'll chat every couple of days, like just text messages and things like that. And um, as I sort of alluded to earlier, like I'll change things every week. Um, and I guess I'm lucky in that I pretty much train by myself all the time. So I'm not meeting a squad. And, you know, this week, for example, I've, um, you know, canned a Tuesday session and I'm going to do it tomorrow instead. So, you know, we're, we're constantly changing things, but I guess we have our um, our main marathon specific sessions, which we'll try and, you know, make sure we feel good for those. Yeah. What about you, Julian? Give us a taste of that, answer that question. A what, sorry? Give us a bit of a quick answer to those questions. Who Are you writing your own programs? Who's coaching yeah, you? Yeah, I, I do my own programs. Um, I don't do a program, actually. I kind of just know what I, 
I'm going to do at the moment and have a general idea of how it's going to go down. And um, I, I do a lot of coaching for other people. So I don't really have time to do it's, it's funny. I don't ever sit down and do my own. I just do a lot of other people, so it's an interesting do you, question. Do you have anyone though who uses a bit of a sounding board? Um, well, the internet. So there's so much out there these days that, like, I have some good, I, I have some good conversations with Mona about coaching and his thoughts and stuff. But really, I can access big long essays by the most respected coaches in the world on at the tip of my fingertips on the internet so for me i like there are other coaches i reckon in town but renato canova is not sitting in town that i can talk to him about it but i can access what his philosophy is and i can read other people's training and i can watch i can listen to podcasts of brady tell me about his training and I kind of I have my own philosophy now, and um, it's been developed over a long time. So I'm comfortable with that. I, I always love to learn more, but at the moment, it's I've, I'm pretty set on what I want to do. Yeah. So the benefit I get from it is probably just holding me back a little bit. Um, so if I'm uh, if I'm um and ahhing about should I go for this extra run or not, I'll just send Ben a message. Like the perfect example was Friday. You know, I did that. Um, two by 10k with a k float and the program did have for an easy run in the afternoon and i was going to go and do it but i was like no if i was coaching somebody else i'd probably say no and i just sent him a message saying what do you reckon about this afternoon he's like well you ran pretty much 30k this morning just can it and so you know whereas if i didn't have him i probably would have went out and done it and it might have come back to bite me later on so if anything, for me, it's just somebody to actually pull me back a little bit at times. Yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. yeah, and I'm the same. My coach, do you know Richard, my coach, um, Julian, is a Ballarat guy? Richard What's Gle- Richard Gleisner. Oh, I know Richard Gleisner, yeah. I don't I mean, I don't um, – I've, I've, he was actually in a, a Victorian marathon team when I ran my first Melbourne marathon in 2009. Yeah, we were, yeah. He was in the team with me, yep. He, um, he ran pretty well that day too, didn't he? he ran... It was me, him, and Jay Philpotts. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. He ran two twenty five. I think I ran two twenty seven that day. Yeah. So kind of a two seventeen but... guy from back in the day, Ballarat boy. Like just yeah, it's amazing hearing his stories about he was just like a run of the mill kind of runner, running a um, two seventeen because there was so much depth around in those years, especially in Ballarat. Like he was just making up the numbers in a way. Apparently, yeah. He... I... Oh, his explore. Oh, everyone says, "Oh, Richard and his explorer socks." Yeah, not yeah. sure whether he still gets around in the explorer socks or not. But. He, yeah, I remember the first time I met him. He'd moved to Bendigo, and we had like a Bendigo fifteen k champs on, and no one knew who he was. And it was just this guy on the start line in explorer socks, and just went out <laughs> and smashed everyone. Like all these local triathletes were kind of sizing him up on the start line and yeah he just destroyed the whole field by minutes in these explorer socks and heavies and yeah he's um one of the most modest and yeah down-to-earth guys you'll ever meet and really similar to you brad kind of he'll write the program or i might suggest it and throw it to him and then he'll write something in and change it and then we'll message each other a couple of times a week and have a phone call every kind of second weekend and yeah, more of a kind of sounding board, and because um, I've he's been mentoring me for probably the last 
uh, four years. So I know all the sessions he likes doing, so I can kind of fill it in myself and then he'll change things up and go from there. It's kind of a, a good relationship. He's down in Warrnambool now, so um, don't he used to be in Bendigo, so I used to go down and do some runs with him and he'd jump on the bike and stuff, but don't see him, unfortunately, as much as I would like. But um, yeah, very similar kind of relationship and always kind of on the side of caution a bit probably I reckon if I was coaching myself a hundred percent I'd be doing probably a bit more kind of Josh Harrisy kind of stuff and probably maybe risk kind of an injury breaking myself down but um he's very cautious of putting those sessions in but having a lot of recovery in between and going back to the traditional like I did eight by one k's today and you know Montefart like here and there and quarters and things like that sprinkled in but still letting me try this new stuff to kind of develop my own way I think training is best for me for a marathon as well which is good 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 we just pretty much I, I said we we're going to maybe not address that question at all and we just spoke <laughs> about the first dot point in detail let's think about a new topic for next week that's right wow well, well, let's just knock all this in the next five minutes so I've kind of said how we work with them we've spoken, spoken about how we communicate with them feedback we've spoken about oh so Brad how long in advance are you planning like those big marathon sessions yeah, so I guess post Canberra, I sent him through pretty much my rough plan between then and Berlin. So it was pretty much like an 18, I think it was four four-week cycles followed by a two-week taper. And um, he sort of pulled it back and said, look, it's way too long for a marathon build-up. So we had a, a, we had a sort of a mini five-week block there, um, which focused more on just five minute, eight minute efforts, hills, um, before we started getting into the marathon specific stuff. Um, but even now, like I've got my plan all the way through to Berlin and once, so we still work on a four week cycle and three out of those four weeks have one marathon specific session in them. So it's either a, a marathon pace stuff at the end of the long run, um, a straight tempo between 10 miles and 20K and um, the other session is like four or five k reps with a one k float. So post post Gold Coast, I'll be doing one of those sessions three out of the four weeks. Um, so yeah. So as I said, I send it through to him, and then we'll we'll change things every week. But um, as long as I'm good to go for those, I guess key sessions. That's that's the focus. And the one thing I'm enjoying about the marathon training compared to the track stuff is. I don't think the sessions are as important. Like, I, I, I find like I'm still improving just through volume, just the amount of running that I'm doing. I, I don't feel like the sessions are that as important um, as they are for a track runner. Um, yeah. I, I, I feel like I'll, yeah. I'll run a, if I run 180k every week or just about between now and Berlin, I'll, I'm pretty sure I'll run a pretty good marathon. <laughs> um, yeah. Whereas, I, you know, for a track runner, Getting out there and running 300s, 400s, getting lactic is important. Um, so I don't know what you guys think about that. Oh, I fully agree. agree. Even to start my Tuesday session tonight, I was just, and Richard says that all the time, it's just getting it done. Like you've just got to tick the box, get it done, string the weeks together, and then get to the start line rather than just putting massive emphasis on, you know, one huge session. Yeah. 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 It's the... Again, it's, uh, I kind of say this a lot, but it's if you focus on that one session and you live or die by it, it's, you're never going to have good races because you've predetermined what your race is going to be like because of the session. 
So, yeah, I hate it when people sort of complain about their session because they were a few seconds off or they didn't get that final rep. It's just, I don't, like, on Thursdays, the goal of the session is is speed for me and it it doesn't matter what really what my splits are like for the marathon it doesn't matter what i'm hitting my 300s in it matters that i'm out there running a speed session i'm getting some neuromuscular work in i'm getting some fast twitch stuff done um that's the important bit of like to take away from the session the splits the amount of reps how you did them to when you we're in whatever shape in the past. That sort of stuff is is secondary, third, low priority stuff for me. Yeah, I fully agree. And sometimes you get caught up in that stuff, and it's just you worry about it, and you look too deeply into it. And it's just about getting it done and stringing them together. Yeah, but Brad's right. For an eight hundred runner, you got to you have to have a specific split, and then the rest is really important. And the amount of reps you're doing for that session that will very much shape how your races are going to go. Um, so he's right. It's different. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. I, I find for all of us as well, like we have enough speed to run a good marathon. So like I think for me, I, I get more benefit from focusing on, on once every couple of weeks on like this, you know, just keying in on 320 per kilometre for, for a long period of time. I, I'll get more benefit from that than I will from K reps or 400s because you know, like the other week I came out and ran sub 15 minutes for park run, which is way fast enough for a marathon. Um, and I'm not really doing any speed work. So, I, I, yeah, I just need to focus on those, you know, the the marathon pace at the end of the long runs and, you know, 10 mile to 20K tempos at marathon pace, but making sure that I'm not, that I'm recovering either side of those. So. Yeah, and you can't bank too many of those though so if no. you start doing those things 16 weeks out it's going to burn you um yeah. and that's probably w- like why i'm doing the speed stuff now and then you get really efficient and you come into those longer sessions with kind of efficiency your form's good because you're so uh i guess you the, the speed works help with that um and you've you've basically got a good overall grounding of fitness because you've used a few different like systems throughout the past two two months or so so preparing to prepare that's how i kind of look at it mm. and Do, then in your yeah. last in your last eight weeks you'll have one session a week so you, you'll either be your hard long run or your you know three three to seven k reps you let you'll have one of those a week will you pretty much a week or a fortnight um yeah. i think a fortnight is probably more achievable for me. I've done it where I've done it once a week, and um, I, I, I don't know. I just I, I didn't have a good race at the end of that. Um, yeah. There's a few other factors involved, but um, I, I still want to be with the group as well. Like I get a lot out of group training, and that's where having that that week where I can still go and, and do a group session, even if it's a little bit different to what they're doing. Um, I want to be involved in that atmosphere still, and I, I'm not doing that by doing three by seven k, and yeah, they're not they're not down with that. So it's it's still like yeah, I, I like I like the social side of running as well. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, quick one before we finish off. How are the partners going? They're also preparing for Berlin. We'll talk about ourselves for 56 minutes, but uh, you want to give me a quick Vivian and Bree, how they are tracking. You go, Julian. Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, uh, yeah Bree, she ran 24K last Sunday. Got it sick, though. So she's she was supposed to run 26K this weekend. Um, she's fit. She's not injured. And um, if she wasn't, she, I think she had laryngitis. So she kind of knocked her around a bit. Um, but she she's on track. She's gonna. She'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Does she have a um a goal time for Berlin? Uh not especially at the moment. But I've got a time in mind. <laughs> Are you coaching her? Yeah. And make or break time the moment, in the relationship. For the next few weeks, anyway. <laughs> We want yeah. to get her on for a show. Did you did you float that with her? Uh, I didn't yet, yeah, but I, I can get her over now if you want. Yeah, no, not now. <laughs> We've already gone for an hour now. What, yeah. about, what about Vivian, Brad? Uh, yep, so Viv's injury and sickness-free, which is sort of the first time since Canberra because um, she hardly trained the month leading into Canberra um, with some niggles, but... Um, yeah, she's all in one piece now. She's up to about 60K a week, um, just slowly increasing the long run. I think she was 80, 85 minutes last week. Um, so, yeah, we just got to just be a little bit cautious with her. But, um, yeah, there's plenty of time for her to get fit now. So, yeah. But um, Canberra wasn't a great experience for her. Just She just missed too much. Like, she was going really well probably six, eight weeks out. And then, um, yeah, the wheels fell off. She probably just got a little bit too greedy with the volume and, um, yeah, it was a tough day for us. So I think she just wants to have a positive experience in Berlin. Are you also uh, coaching her? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. I can imagine how that goes down and she's, when things um, aren't and, going well. Oh, no, it's okay. It's all right. And, um, she's also happy. She's she's happy to come on for one of the podcasts. That's good. Yeah, no, Carly was looking them both up on um, – I floated the idea of her on Sunday – and then um, she searched them up on Strava and she was a bit jealous some of the paces they were running. So it'd be good to uh, get all three of them, get us idiots off and yeah. they can uh, they can have a chat about Berlin stuff. Just just on a side note, just quickly, I think the the discussion I've had with Viv is like she's very new to running and um, she, she found she's running quite well over park run. Like she got close to, well, she's like low 20 minutes for 5K, which is you know, it's pretty decent running. Um, and obviously wanted to run a good marathon in Canberra, but it's just that history of training. So it's like you you can't really run a good marathon unless you run a certain amount, you know, unless you run a lot during a week. But if you haven't run a lot, you can't just bump up the mileage. So, like, we've had the discussion that she's probably five to ten years away from actually running a really good marathon. Um, but obviously she's entered Berlin, will do it, but then after that, probably go back to the the five to half marathon focus on that for a while until she gets a bit stronger mm. yeah has Bree run one before julian no mate she 26 it'll be her longest run debut so yeah i'll just i'll we'll go high risk with Bree. <laughs> <laughs> she'll have a stress in like two weeks <laughs> yeah 
test out a few different philosophies. She'll be my little guinea pig. <laughs> uh, and what was it, what's her normally weekly what's her weekly mileage normally? I think she ran eighty k last week, seventy or eighty. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah. She does have a history of stresses though, so it's a little bit risky, uh, a little bit dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but that she, she's feeling good with the long stuff now. Ballarat's helped her. More hills, better trails, that kind of thing. Yeah, right. Rightio, fellas, let's wrap it up there. Thanks for your time. We'll uh, we'll get this out and have a good training week, and we'll I'll see you on the weekend, Brad. Yeah, looking forward to it. I try and. Um... Make sure you stick to uh, 328s. Mate, make sure I don't lose too much weight out there. I might go down a drain or something while we're racing. It could be... Um, could make be... sure you don't spend all your pacing fees over at the casino. That's the biggest worry. Jupiter's straight up. You reckon... Yeah, we've got to hit the time. Throw that 10 grand on red. <laughs> well, that's what... That's Are you staying there? Are you staying at Jupiter's? No, nah, I'm not staying there. I'm staying with... Um, do you know Zach and Newman? Do you know Zach runs from Melbourne? Oh, Uni? I, I don't know, but I know, I know the name. Yeah, no, he's yep. got an Airbnb apartment, so I'm just staying there the Saturday night, then back up to a mate in Brisbane's place on um, the Sunday night. So it'd be straight in, straight out kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Which is good. And do, when are you yeah, going up Jupiter's. there? Friday. Yeah, Friday back Sunday night. Yeah, right. You're, you're going to that meeting on the Saturday, though, aren't you? Uh, I didn't know there was a meeting. Ooh, I got Boys, this could, this, should, this could be private talk. A technical <laughs> meeting for paces, I reckon. I'll send you the details. Hope yeah, I... right. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I thought, uh, I think that's, I read that somewhere. Hey, we got a media pass to go to the press conference for the uh, for the podcast as well. All right. Yeah. We're nice one. Talk to Yuki Kawuchi and stuff like that. Should be good. Numbers will go through the roof. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think he's through. Yeah, I was just one of those emails from Ryan. He just said it'd be good if you could come to this meeting to be introduced as the pacer to the females or something like that and hear about the technical right. stuff. Well, I might just send him an email tonight because I haven't received any info about it at all. So Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're going to take cool. your own drinks and stuff? Um, yeah, I haven't organised anything yet, but I've worked out a rough plan of pretty much drinks every 5K. Yeah. Right, Emma. Yeah. I'll see you up there and we'll talk to you about it. Have a good week down there, Julian, in the cold. Yeah, mate. Oh, yeah. The, uh, it toughens us. The survey last week was a bit, um, it was pretty even, winter or summer. Actually, I'd probably have to admit that summer probably won out. I was quite surprised there. I thought I'd had that in the bag. Uh, I had a few people come talk to me about it, and they all said winter, I mean, summer's better, mate. So. Yeah, right. I was dreaming. Yeah. Uh, it's good Good to generate a bit of conversation. <laughs> all right, fellas. Yeah. Thanks for the chat, boys. See you later. Talk next week, mate.
helplessness. When you drop fart, you don't say, at nine o'clock I drop fart. It'll happen of itself. <laughs> you know, and all, all these pious Western devotees, you know, kind of put their handkerchiefs in their mouths and try not to laugh. Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.